Today's Callahan Show is sponsored by MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com and use code word Jerry for huge discounts. For example, you can get the standard MyPillow, which is normally $69.98 for only $19.98 with code word Jerry. I'd call that a huge discount. MyPillow is made in the USA and it comes with a 10-year warranty. It's machine washable and dryable. It's the most comfortable pillow you will ever sleep on. Makes an excellent gift. Get it now. And you can support this show and you can strike back against cancel culture. As you know, like us, Mike Lindell is constantly under attack from the cancel culture mob. By purchasing from MyPillow, not only are you helping this show, you're fighting back against cancel culture. MyPillow isn't in the big box stores anymore, so you can get factory direct pricing if you order from MyPillow.com using code word Jerry. This is The Jerry Callahan Show. I'm going to start with some advice from my friend Joe Rogan. Uh, you know, from one Boston, balding Boston guy to another. Uh, of course, I took care of that. He's He just decided to shave it all off. But uh, Rogan, by the way, Rogan talks so little about his uh, upbringing. I've, you know, heard him interview. He, he doesn't does. talk about it, doesn't want to talk about it. That would be a good story if any of these people who are digging in on Joe Rogan, I don't know if the Globe has done it, who knows, nobody reads it, but uh, if there were, you know, maybe the New York Post or something, come up here, try to find some people who grew up with him, and I'm sure he was a funny guy and a, and a tough guy, but uh, I don't think he had a very uh, fulfilling uh, childhood. He certainly doesn't talk about it or make it uh, or glorify it. I'd love to hear more, but... I think you get, he, he said when he talked about the, uh, the, the, the montage, the hit piece they came out with, with all the examples of him using the N-word, he said that it was in a way a good thing because it was finally out in the open. He knew it was out there. Yeah. He knew they had it hanging over him and he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Um, that's one of the good things, uh, I guess, is you don't have to worry about it. The other one is joe is you find out who your friends are you know you find out who the people who are truly in your corner and i think in the last few days he's found that good and bad he's found a lot of people who are in his corner and a lot of people who have turned on him and shivved him in the back we're going to talk about one of those people that would be noah trevor the uh extremely unfunny uh host on uh Comedy Central. Uh, we'll get into that and exp- tell you what Noah, Tre- Tre- whatever Trevor Noah had to say about Joe Rogan and what Joe Rogan had to say about Trevor Noah when Trevor Noah was in trouble. Yeah. That tells you all you need to know about Trevor Noah. Also, uh, Howie Hampton's Howard Stern talked to Al Michaels pre Super Bowl, and you're not going to believe what Howie wanted to talk about. Uh, not the game, not Al Michaels, not. You know, not whatever, L.A., want to talk about vaccinations. That's it. That's all he cares about, vaccinations. Uh, the uh, Biden regime says they're not putting crack pipes in their uh, smoking kits, which obviously is uh, only because of the backlash, the fallout. My question would be, why are we, why are we giving out smoking kits to crackheads at all? I don't care what's in them. Lip balm. They got lip balm. So we're giving out lip balm to crack addicts. I guess that's better than crack pipes, but it still seems kind of nuts. Um, Roger Goodell is going to fix things with the NFL and their, you know, their hiring practices. And you know, he's on the right track because he met with Al Sharpton. Way to go, Rog. Al Al Sharpton's going to set you straight. And Mayor Wu in Boston. Mayor Wu, I mean, it's, she's, she's young. She's kind of cute. She seems like she means well. She doesn't. She is a tyrant. She is tweeting about young people and how they want to be masked up. They want to the, the, the mayor. They want the city. They want the government to hurt them. They want more pain. This woman is a menace. We will tell you what she had to say about young people and masks. And uh, we'll get into that and a lot more on today's Callahan show brought to you by DCU. Why do DCU members love their free checking accounts? It's simple. No monthly maintenance fees, no minimum balance, no strings attached. What's better is with direct deposits to their free checking account, DCU members can get paid up to two days early. Zero monthly maintenance fees, zero monthly balance, 
Zero reasons not to switch. They will even remove the hassle of switching your direct deposits and automatic payments from your current checking account. Learn more and make the switch today at dcu.org slash free checking insured by NCUA membership required. All right, this is uh, Carano's last day. Uh, tomorrow we're on Locals. Yep. We'll, be, we'll be talking to our community, our people on Locals, but today we're talking to the world. Everyone. This is b- before uh, Carano goes uh, goes dark and goes back into his mysterious Bitcoin blockchain world and uh, just completely uh, goes off the grid. Is that your plan? Yep. Going to get the van. Going to go cross country, maybe oh, into God. South America. <laughs> maybe Mosquito Coast this. I don't know. Build a dam and, uh, and, I- and, uh, and, and forage my own food. Sometimes, you know, van life or, you know, living like uh, Alexander, Alexander Supertramp, sometimes that seems romantic it and does. appealing. Not on uh, February 10th, my friend. That's not true. Fe- I mean, it's chilly. Unless you're going due south and you're not going to stop till you hit the Florida Keys, I don't see uh, any appeal in going out there in the dead of winter. You're going to go out to the, to the Smoky Mountains or the <laughs> Black Mountains and Blue Go mountains, and, I don't know, so see, many mountains. Check out Mount Rushmore. It, that's <laughs> I was there once in the winter. It is extremely cold. You don't want to be going no, uh, no, into the uh, into the Black Mountains. But uh, we'll get into that. Maybe we'll get into it tomorrow with your uh, community because people they're going to miss you. Uh, those those uh, our locals family is going to miss you. But uh, anyway, anyway, I I was wrong. I thought Joe Rogan, I thought Spotify would dump him by now. They yeah. still might. Do not do not think it's over. There's still um a a Trump card out there, a wild card, and it is it is if you want to put a, a face on it, it is Taylor Swift. It is I don't even know who else would be comparable Drake. to Taylor. Drake, that's a good one, Drake, or maybe the weekend, you know, some big, some big. The folks weekend, see. another yeah. good one. Yeah. Um. Or I don't know if an older guy who's got a big, like a Springsteen, or I don't know the the U two. I don't know if someone like that has quite the influence. In fact, I know they don't of of a Taylor Swift. But I'm not sure the fallout, how it will look, how it will feel if a Taylor Swift says, you know, she hates uh, Joe Rogan, doesn't want to be associated with him, says I'm out of here. And uh, then not only is it her, but it's other people. Well, who and, are, and, and sorry, and Taylor Swift has already fought Spotify. Do you, do you remember this? She went after Spotify because oh. of um, how much they were paying per per stream. Right. And she's she won. She's been known to do that. She won. Right. She she's pulled a, her. She pulled her stuff off and they're like, OK, Taylor, we're sorry. Uh, we'll pay you more. And then now it's all back on. Yeah, well, I bet you she's getting pressured. I know that she's getting pressured. I know what kind of people behind the scenes are working this. People like these media matters scumbags who spend their life trying to destroy people from the other side of the political spectrum. Um, when Rogan said in his apology, in one of his two apologies, one was uh, 10 minutes long, the other was like six minutes long. When he said that it was a political hit job, there were people saying, oh, you, you know, now you're making excuses. It was, that's exactly what it was, was a political hit job. I mean, he said the word, and he said it a number of times, but they don't put it in perspective. They don't put it no, in context. No context. In fact, it, it's just the opposite. It would it would defeat their purpose if they put it in context, and he was actually like quoting somebody or reading from something. That would be uh, that wouldn't be nearly as uh, egregious when they just put it together, and it's I think it's over fourteen years. Uh, 12 years, yeah, 12 years, uh, the examples of him using the N-word. And some of it is just silly, goofy stuff where he's talking to, uh, you know, other comedians and they're drinking and they're smoking and they're making jokes about the N-word. Other times he's reading, he's quoting. There's some real damning stuff when he talks about going to the planet of the apes in a, in a whatever it is, a black neighborhood. I mean, that's, he has a full head of hair when he says it. So it's a long time ago, but it is stupid it's offensive it's racist it's all that but they don't have anything in context they just play the damning word or the damning sentence and move to the next one so obviously the montage is going to look and feel bad that doesn't mean it's not him it's him he said it he apologized he feels awful but it 
it's both. Yeah, it's, it's, both. Not, it's, it's not. It's not the most truthful. It's factual because he said it, but right. it's not really truthful because we're not seeing the context behind it. So we've got right, and it is absolutely a political hit job because that's what you're doing. You're trying to send a message. This message. The message is Joe Rogan's a racist. They wanted to paint that picture, and that's what they did with the with the montage. But you know, the same thing could be done to Joe Biden. Yes, <laughs> you know, Joe, the president who got 81 million votes has used the N-word on the Senate floor. He's used all kinds of racial language and you know, calling, saying the, the schools are going to be like racial jungles. And if you put those together in a montage, he's going to look really bad. I mean, you could do that with him with a, any number of things. I mean, hell, just gaffes. If you want to look, make him look really, really bad, it's what you know political operatives do. Yes, it's a political hit job, but also, yes, they're Rogan's words. He said it. He feels that awful. At times you're watching it and going, did you really think that was okay? I mean, I know it was kind of a, a fringe thing, the Rogan podcast 10, 12 years ago, but still you knew it was on, it was on video, it was on audio, and you're saying these things. Uh, he admits it was stupid, it was a mistake, he apologized. And then a, lot, a number of people, black, white, whatever, men, women, Republican Democrat came to his defense and said, you know, I know him. He's not racist or I know him. You know, he doesn't mean any harm. And lots of people uh, came to his defense as he was reeling, you know, as he was uh, embattled. And that's to be expected. I think if I had to guess, I'd say he's a good guy, you know, a nice guy. A lot of young comedians and podcasters have uh, defended him and said he helped them with their careers and you know, they owe him a lot. And you see all these people with their selfies with Rogan and, you know, British fetishy. Bridget fetishy. Right? Yep. Bridget I'm sorry, Britain. Um, she led the charge saying, you know, let's defend him. And people did. And that's to be expected. I mean, you find out who your friends are. You also find out who your friends aren't. I have not been embroiled in a scandal nearly as big as the one he's in, but there's been a few skirmishes. And it's amazing how fast the rats will scurry away, yeah. uh, scurry away, if they're think if they think they might get some on them, you know. Oh, you know, just get let me out of here. I don't want to be associated. I don't want to be involved. Um, the best example, and he's getting um, tr uh, killed on uh, on Twitter and other places, is Trevor Noah. Yes, Trevor Noah is an alleged comedian. He's uh, from South Africa. He's from South Africa. Correct? I think that's correct. Yep. You know, he's got a fake accent. He, 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 he pretends the words like podcaster, podcaster, and he exaggerates them to sound, you know, exotic. That's his thing. And he's not the least bit funny. In fact, one of the bits I watched last night, he, he says, I'm a comedian, and you would know it if I had a live audience. I saw him Because they'd that. be laughing. Like, really? And, and I'm, what? I'm sitting there. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching. I'm going, whoa, Trevor, I'm your audience right now. And I'm not even chuckling. I'm just not even smiling. You're not even a little funny. The only reason a live audience would make you seem like a comedian is because you'd put that neon sign that says laugh and they would fake laugh. That's the only reason. It was remarkably, I, I, I don't know why I did this show, show prep. I must have watched 10, 12 Trevor Noah videos. He sucks. Okay. He sucks. He's, it wasn't any, and, and, and worse than sucks, he wants to sound. Uh, erudite and uh, and and uh, thoughtful and deep and provocative and profound and it just doesn't work. I mean, he's he he when he said I'm a comedian, it took me back. I said, Are you really? I was. I didn't even know. I forgot. And then I went and looked at some of his jokes. Oh yeah. And uh, as you and I were just talking about, he's got a long history of off-color jokes, including racist jokes about Aboriginals in. Uh, in uh, Australia and about Jewish, a lot of Jewish crack, a lot of Jewish wisecracks, Jewish jokes. I mean, if he indeed did stand up as a young man and, uh, you know, uh, made the rounds at nightclubs and all, invariably is going to be some offensive stuff. So there is, there's lots of it. You, uh, are you looking at the yeah, right looking, now? Cause yeah, I, yeah. Do you okay, want to, you want to hear stop, something? stop me when you find one that's even a little funny. Cause you know, that's what I ask. If you want to tell an offensive joke, that's cool. But see if you can make it funny. I mean, they're not, they're not that witty. I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'm not going to make a quality um, uh, decision on this, but I'll just, I'll read you a couple if you'd like to hear it. So right. here's, here's one. 
Um, almost, almost bumped a Jewish kid crossing the road. He didn't look before crossing, but I still would have felt so bad in my German car. Oh, God. I mean, I guess German Jew, I, I think I understand it, I guess. But if he said that to his live audience, would they all laugh? I bet, if the sign went up. <laughs> uh, here's another one. Messi, Messi's a soccer player, gets the ball, and the real players try, uh, try to foul him. But Messi doesn't go down easy, just like Jewish chicks. Uh, is this a stand? Oh, there's a tweet, right? Yeah, is yeah, that a uh, this is a tweet from 2012. So he thought about it and typed it out yes. and hit send. He can't say, you know, I was a stand-up, I was at a nightclub, I had a few drinks. He was tweeting, and that he considered that humor. Here's, here's a misogynist right. one. Sorry, one more, one more. Originally, the men, originally, when men proposed, they went down on one knee, so if, women's, if women said no, they were in the perfect uppercut position. God, I mean, what, what qualifies is, is comedy with these people? That is awful. And I don't even forget, I'm only offended because it's so bad. I'm not offended because it's misogynist. But so he came under fire. Jesus, that, that bad comedians. We used to talk about this on the, on the radio a lot. Like, bad comedians are fascinating. Like, I give them credit for balls. To stand up in front of an audience and, and tell a joke that bad, where do you test it out? Do you test it out on your friends in the mirror? I mean, do you call someone? Do you share it? Did someone tell you that that joke about the uppercut was funny? I mean, did someone laugh? I guess when you're Trevor Noah, it's kind of like being a Democrat in the White House. You're so used to the media fawning over you, you start to believe the coverage. You start to believe that you're legitimately, you know, funny when you're a comedian telling bad jokes and you have an audience of people fake laughing. You start to think you're funny. Anyway, he sucks. And because of the Jewish jokes, I believe, and all the other offensive jokes, he came under fire. This was a few years ago, 2015, I believe. I think that's correct, yeah. He came under fire, kind of like Rogan now, not to this extent, but people were unearthing the, um, the offensive stuff. And even a guy like Noah, a good liberal, a good you know, progressive, took some heat. You know, this stuff is offensive. What were you thinking? And some comedians came to his defense. And who was ahead of the uh, leading that pack would be? be one Joe Rogan. Look at that. So Trevor, uh, Trevor responded to, to these, uh, to, to the fire that he was getting in 2015. He said, to reduce my views to a handful of jokes that didn't land is not a true reflection of my character, nor my evolution as a comedian. So he's saying, I'm a comedian. Some of the jokes I say are not going to land, but that's Ooh. not all I am. And Rogan, that's Rogan response to this and said, too much for 140 characters, but nothing he said was out of line. And he's a funny dude. Fuck the haters, Noah. Oh, man. And then, um, well, I, well, I watched the whole thing about Rogan. It's, it's tedious. The whole Trevor Noah, um, it's not attack, but dissection and analysis. And on and on he goes about why it's racist, even though Joe's not racist and he meant this and not that. It's just a real deep dive into it. Again, Trevor Noah thinks he's he's thought provoking. He's not. He, he's he's terrible. But he doesn't um, he doesn't say the same thing about Joe Rogan. He doesn't say it's humor. You know, he's a comedian. He's a stand up. He says it can be a joke and also be racist. It can also be offensive. So this stand up comic that made all these jokes about Jewish women and Aboriginals. Is suddenly offended by another comedian because of a word. And now, not, and not only that, he says context doesn't matter. I don't know. Do we, can we play some of Trevor Noah's sound? On I mean, not not a lot because it's it's endless, it's tedious, it's boring. But do we have any of uh, Trevor talking about Rogan and sticking the knife in? Well, here's this, and he uses a stereotype to go after Rogan for using stereotypes. So, so here we are. It doesn't matter the context, because black people don't have the time to sit down and sort out the racist who says the N-word 70 times with the non-racist who says the N-word 70 times. Black people are dealing with too much shit. No, no, look, look at how I was using it. No, dude, no one's got the time for it. doesn't So he uses a stereotypical white voice <laughs> to attack Rogan for using stereotype humor. Uh, what and, are we doing here? And, and this is his argument is black people don't have the time to decide 
who's racist and who's not among people using the N-word. So do they have the time, Trevor, to decide whether Snoop Dogg or Lil Wayne is racist? Do they have the time to decide whether Dave Chappelle is racist and Joe Rogan is not? I mean, the I, I, here's what I've always said, and tell me if you agree on this, Caranos. Yeah. We lost our way when we gave that word so much power. At some point, and it's only recently, because you can go back and watch, uh, you know, whatever, the, the movie The Jerk with Steve Martin using the N-word humorously, and people laughed and didn't think anything of it. You couldn't do that now because we have given so much power to this one word where you can, uh, it can end careers. You know, it can, if, if the wrong person says it, if the right person says it, it's casual, it's cool. It's no big deal. If you say it in a, in a Quentin Tarantino movie or Dave Chappelle says it on stage or, or Lil Wayne sings it, it's poetry. You know, it's art. If Joe Rogan says it, people want, his head on a stick why did we do that why did we let that happen it i don't know there's be... this, whole, this whole feeling that words are violence now it's like no words don't actually hurt you no they don't uh physical violence is violence words are not violence and we we have a guy like the ceo of spotify saying sorry we know how hurtful this was when in fact he should be saying sorry but it's only a friggin' word. You might not like it. That's why there's a little dial there, a little button there, so you don't have to hear it. The idea that he said it, let's get him. It's like the, the best example is this Morgan Wallen country singer. Yeah. And I don't, you know, know much about him. I know he's a young, you know, a little bit crazy. He was drunk with a friend at two in the morning and he yelled the N word, meaning, you know, my buddy. In in if you're if you're a black guy, that's what you do to your friend, right? And and Jason Whitlock writes about this all the time and how they've turned this word into uh, you know just a term of endearment for some people and a term that can end your end your life as you knew it for other people. And in the case of Morgan Wallen, he was doing it. He wasn't doing it out of anger. He wasn't uh, doing it to a black person. He was doing it to his friend, and his neighbor caught him and. People tried to destroy him. He no longer uh, was invited to any awards shows. And, and just he became a non-person. His records sold like no one else. I think it was the best-selling mm. uh, album in country music last year. So the customer, uh, the, the listeners didn't turn on him. Everybody else did. But he was doing it, you know, to try to be cool. That's what young people, white and black, do you know, they use the word with the A at the end as a term of endearment to try and sound cool, you know, to try or to sound... Or edgy. Yep. I mean, uh, so say edgy, comedian, yeah. comedians used to use it because it made them sound edgy. Edgy is the word. But Morgan Wallen, they want to destroy everything about him. I mean, literally, you know, pull, just not, you know, not let him be part of the country music world because he used that word drunk one night with a friend. And that same word Dave Chappelle uses every two minutes, and he's the most popular comedian in America. Why, why did we let that happen? If it used to be, used to be, we said literally sticks to, to steal Dave Chappelle's, the name was the name was special. It used to be sticks and stones can hurt my bone. Hurt yeah. Uh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but go. names will never hurt me. In other words, words are just words. It's just a sound coming out of your mouth. Why do we think it's healthy and productive to convince young people that a sound, the way someone's lips and the way their word comes out of their mouth can hurt them, can cause actual physical pain? Because I got news for you, kids. It can't. It can't unless you let it. Unless you let that word genuinely hurt you, then it won't hurt you. you it's not hurtful unless you let it become hurtful now you can hate someone for using the word you could say yeah, i'm offended but if you genuinely get hurt by it that's on you that's on you because again if you're going to get hurt when morgan wallen says it privately drunk with a friend but laugh when dave Chappelle says it in front of you know 50 million people or snoop dogg sings it in front of 110 million people then that's on you 
Why did you let that happen? Why do we let that happen? It makes no sense. It's it's not healthy. It's not productive. It's not progress. I'll I'll never understand. I guess I will understand it because it, it becomes you know currency for the racial the race hustlers, the the race grievance hustlers. They say, "Ooh, this guy said it. Let's get him. Let's ruin him." When if someone else says it, they you know check and make sure he's uh, you know black or he's uh, whatever he's a Hispanic and he's a rapper, so it's okay. But if it's Joe Rogan, he's a comedian, but not really a comedian. He's a podcaster, so it's not okay. It's just a weird dynamic that doesn't seem to do well, any good and, for and anybody. It's the time leap that's the most troubling, too, because if you could just go back in time where things had different social acceptance um, that don't anymore and pull all that stuff to use use them to get use it to get them canceled now. It's like you're not getting, you're not taking any of the context of the culture at all when, when into in um, when you do that now. So we're gonna start seeing. So we're seeing it already. You've got episodes of things taken offline. They're not streaming um, certain episodes of It's Always Sunny. Um, right. Probably mm-hmm. Tarantino will get the same thing. Probably either get those censored or taken off streaming services. That that's gonna happen. It's gonna well, get worse. You do like Hangover. I like the Hangover movies, at least when Kim Jong yeah. is, is not in it. Well, you're right. He When he was naked in the trunk was funny, yeah. but he his character, I, I get sick of it. But anyway, uh, uh, Zach Galifianakis, obviously, he's the big star. And when he comes out to the car, and I think it's Hangover 1, and says the N-word to try to be cool to a guy, I think it was you know his drug dealer or whatever. He, he uses the N-word, and it stops you in your tracks, and you go, wait. He can't say that, can he? And you and you and you're like, look, I'm I'm like literally thinking, where are the rules again? Can I find the rules? Because I don't think Zach Galifianakis is allowed to say that. He does. He says it. I guess they, you know, it got through the censors and it's in the movie. And he's such a funny guy and a goofy guy that nothing he says. Well, and it's satirical. Is taken seriously. We're, we're mocking that character. Same thing with uh, with Tropic Thunder. We are mocking that 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 character. Tropic um, Thunder, which could never be made today, it wasn't that long ago no. that it was made, but it could never ever be made today. And like it was the anniversary of uh, Blazing Saddles the other day, and I'm right. thinking that was just funny slapstick then. And th- this is progress today. It would never ever be made, and if it were made, there'd be people boycotting it and banning it and taking it down and deleting it. And you'd be saying, "Why can't we just see it and say?" whether it's funny or not and decide for ourselves, but no, them, the rules now, them, the rules, and you got to abide by them. It's not, it is not progress when you convince kids. I just want to make this clear one last time and we can move on. When you convince a kid that another kid doesn't have to punch him, kick him, throw anything. He can just say something and that will hurt him so bad, hurt him to the cut him deep, you know, make him cry affect him you know he'll go home he'll be i mean why can't you convince him that it's just a word and he shouldn't let it bother him we have leaders teachers parents whatever telling kids that you should let a word get to you and i always wonder what's the upside what's the good in that what's the good in convincing say a 15 year old that if another kid uses a word he should really internalize it and let it get to him and let it hurt him why is that why is that healthy in any way i don't think it is healthy but it is certainly easier than than talking about nuance or intent um, or context those are harder things to grasp and i don't know this is just a it's an easier conversation just to say this thing is is off limits you can't do this one thing and by the way to wrap it up on on rogan a number of examples, I believe, of him using the word, we're using it in a discussion, much like you and I are having right now, saying, here's the word, do you say it, Was it mean, why do we let this one word, I mean, there are literally no other words, unless you count the uh, C word among some females that has that kind of power. I guess the F slur, but it's pro- but still it's a notch below. Right, and which again used to be just a dumb playground slur, and now it's a point where if you used it, in fact, a comedian friend of mine has a whole riff on the F slur, the gay F slur, and how it became 
this such this uh, slur with such power and influence when we were kids it was just a dumb playground thing that everyone called everyone else and it had nothing to do with sexual orientation we made it we allowed it to get to that point where it became that powerful and it doesn't make any sense but if you look at it rogan at times is with his guest and he's saying you know when's it appropriate to use that word do you use it in your in your uh, monologues in your routines you know do you i don't know when's it right when's it wrong so they were literally discussing the word and the intent and the and the appropriateness of it and that's being used against him and making it seem like he's you know some angry you know clansman or something it's it's too bad although uh, i'll say again i was wrong i thought spotify would cut him loose by now they have not they will still don't get me wrong they will still and it'll be i shouldn't say they will i still think they will and it, and and again the Taylor Swifts and, uh, and, and, uh, and Drake's are waiting in the weeds. They're getting pressured by people, by dark forces to come out and try to ruin them. See, I think it'd blow up on him anyway. If he left Spotify, you and I have talked about it. He ended up somewhere else. Yep. He would be just as influential. He'd be maybe even bigger, maybe even freer. And they wouldn't delete old episodes. Um, and, uh, he would get more attention and more, uh, you know, focused than he ever had. So they'll still dump him. It won't matter. He'll be bigger than ever. Um, but anyway, we will uh, move on. Oh, man. Um, all right. What do you want me to do now, Carano? You mean in terms of topics? I mean, there's tons of stuff. No, in terms of spots. Oh, uh, well, there's MD hearing aid and Siempre Tequila. You know what? I think this being your last big day, you should do Siempre Tequila. Siempre is, is amazing. It has, has a, an amazing flavor to it. Um, I, I do have some bottles for you, but we never took care of, uh, of shipping those two to you. I, but you did say well, you're going to go out and buy you, some, and I think you should buy some. I think if everybody, if anybody, if you like tequila, then you should definitely have some siempre. Tequila. Siempre, I, I uh, siempre, siempre, siempre. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of myself. I'm, pre- I'm pronouncing it now without even, I'm not struggling at all. We'll do siempre. It's a mu- multiple award winning tequila made in a little town in Mexico. You know what the town's called? Tequila. How perfect is that? It was founded by just two regular people who love tequila, and uh, they put the whole thing on their credit card, and the next thing you know, they had this award-winning tequila. Siempre means always. I like that. Always. Uh, It's not endorsed by famous people. You are the celebrity if you drink Siempre. Siempre is great stuff. Carano likes it on the rocks. I, I like it anyway. I like it in a margarita. How's that? I would like it in a margarita, like right about now. You believe me, you don't want to be with me right now. You could tell by my voice, I would probably uh, get you sick and then you wouldn't be able to enjoy a siempre. But uh, anybody, everybody could enjoy siempre. Ask for it at your local wine or spirit store or find it online at shop.siempretequila.com. That's shop.siempretequila.com. All right, let's do MD hearing aid and then get back to business. All right, do you ever uh, have trouble trouble hearing the TV, asking people to turn up? Or maybe someone you live with, someone you love, someone you visit, maybe a loved one has trouble hearing. Maybe you're having dinner and they, ah, what, what, what? And they keep saying, uh, they keep struggling to hear you over the, the TV or over the noise. <clears throat> well, we got a solution for you. MDhearingaid.com. I've been telling you about MD hearingaid.com is a reason for that because it makes all the sense in the world when you compare it to other hearing aids. You know, nine out of 10 people still buy hearing aids from clinics and pay $5,000 or more, even though a much more affordable option exists. That's why you got to check out MD Hearing Aid. MD Hearing Aid is an FDA-registered rechargeable hearing aid. It costs a fraction of what typical hearing aids cost. MD Hearing Aid's Volt Plus is over 80% less than clinic hearing aids. Hearing aids require clinic-level care for the best results. Clinic-level care comes from licensed hearing professionals. MD Hearing Aid brings clinic-level care right to you via telemedicine from doctors and licensed professionals. MD Hearing Aid was founded by ENT surgeon who saw how many of his patients needed hearing aids but couldn't afford them. He made it his mission to develop a quality hearing aid that anyone could afford. 
If you forget to take these out when you go in the shower, no big deal. The Volt Plus is water resistant, plus it's rechargeable with battery life that lasts up to 30 hours. So how do you make hearing aids for a fraction of the cost? Well, since about 95% of the people who need hearing aids only require a few settings, MD hearing aids simplified the need for certain components not needed by most people. Plus, they cut out the price-hiking middleman. MD hearing aid has brought affordable hearing to over 600,000 satisfied customers. Plus, they offer a 40-day risk-free trial with a 100% money-back guarantee so you can buy with confidence. So get clinic-level care for 80% less with MD hearing aid. Go to mdhearingaid.com and use promo code Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, to get their buy one, get one at at $299.99 each when you buy a pair. Plus, they're adding a free extra charging case, a $100 value, uh, just for listeners of the Callahan Show. So head to mdhearingaid.com and use our promo code Jerry and get the uh, buy one, get one for $299.99 each when you buy a pair deal. All right, let's do Howie Hamptons because um, we've gone over this a lot. The, 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 the fall of the great Howard Stern is just, it's ongoing, it's sad, and it just gets worse every day. He, because... Um, you know, the Super Bowl is Sunday. You had Al Michaels on his show. And you're thinking, you know, Al Michaels, Al Michaels is an interesting guy. He really is. I've had him on our show on the radio before, and he's just a, a good guy. I would like to hear more about hanging with Rush Limbaugh because they were buddies and they'd play golf. And you don't really know much about Al Michaels' politics, but I do believe he's a uh, right-wing zealot, which is good. But uh, did Howie Hamptons want to talk about, I don't know, the Rams or Joe Burrow or L.A. or maybe, you know, Brian Flores or lots of stuff going on in the NFL? No, we know what Howie Hamptons wanted to talk about. He wanted to talk about getting all the whatever, the the fans, the media, the players, the coaches, making sure before they take the field, making sure everyone is vaccinated. God, is Howard Stern just just embarrassing these days but let's listen to how he happens with al michaels when there's a hundred but do you ever feel and i know with sports you can't be controversial you can't no one's there to hear your opinion i get all that but to me the temptation to say al please when you're on there and you got a hundred million people tell them to get vaccinated for christ's sake you know what i mean it's almost like i wish don't you don't you ever wish you could just like sort of break out and say what you feel wouldn't it be great to advocate a bit it, it would there's, there's no doubt about it but you're right when people tune in to watch the game they want to watch the game and there's right. a lot of stuff going on in sports around the game and uh we had a call yesterday a, a press call and they were asking us about are we going to get into what's going on in the nfl with brian flores the coach you know filing suit against the league and i'm thinking well that's a story that compels a, a, a number of minutes to be available to you to talk about that. I'm going from second and six to third and four, and then we're into a commercial and, and replays. You can't do that in the middle of a game. Uh, you know, he, he's right, but if it's a blowout, you can, and you're looking for things to talk about, and they will. They'll talk about other things. They just won't uh, get too political. I wish they would, because I think Al Michaels is a smart guy and a and a, and a conservative guy, but all Howie Hamptons cares about, it's all he cares about is getting people vaccinated. And I'll say it again. It, that was one thing when we thought vaccinations Stop worked, spread. like yeah. when they, when they stopped the idea and, and I think it's pretty simple. And I think people try to make it complicated. I think you and I are on the same page here. It's about yourself. It's not about, the community. It's not about your patriotic duty. It's about you. And if you want to protect you from severe illness or death and you're vulnerable, then you get the vaccine. Like if you're older and and obese or have comorbidities, of course, get the vaccine. But if you don't, you're not going to hurt me. I mean, you're going to hurt you. So Howard Stern used to be the biggest libertarian, right? When he ran for New York governor. He was a libertarian. He was a avowed libertarian. You know, live and let live. Leave me alone. Do your thing. This would be the best libertarian argument. Like, even if you knew you were going to get COVID and die, 
that's your choice if sure. it doesn't affect the other people around you. And it doesn't, unless you're talking about, you know, the hospital, the cost of a hospital. But since when do we make that uh, the the issue? We don't make it the issue when it comes to people you know, eating three meals a day at, at, at McDonald's. We don't make it the issue when people are drinking themselves to death. We don't say, you don't have the right to do that. You don't have the right to be fat. We don't say that. In fact, we do the opposite these days. And look at, you know, Shape Magazine or, or Runner's World Magazine. They're romanticizing uh, uh, big-boned people, husky people. They're saying, it's okay. Don't bat fat shame. Don't body shame. So it's okay to be a burden on the system if you're obese or if you, you know, do drugs or drink or whatever or don't exercise. But it's not okay if you choose not to get vaccinated. That makes no sense unless you're a complete authoritarian. If you're a libertarian at all, if you believe in liberty and freedom at all, why do we care? Oh, I'm so sick of making this argument, well, Carano. You, well, and not just that, but like, what what else is there to talk about? If you're right. stern, like, what else is there to say about the vaccine things? Like, we've been we've been beating the subject to death, and he has for a year, and so like, you got Al Michaels on. Wouldn't you want to know about the NFL um, scandals for for throwing games, for incentivizing coaches to to lose? Like, wouldn't you want to talk to him about that? He's an expert that's there. A, he has an opinion on that. That's a good that. point. That's a good point. You just had a Miami coach say the owner offered him 100 grand to lose to tank games, and all you want Al Michaels to do is encourage people to get vaccinated. Can I just say this uh, definitively, flat out? I have no doubt anymore. It is a fact. Anybody who wants to be vaccinated has been vaccinated. There's nothing Al Michaels or Joe Biden or Jen Psaki or, or anybody else can say to convince someone who's unvaccinated at this point, two years into the pandemic, to get vaccinated. Okay, we're done. If they're not vaccinated now, which is why, which is why the friggin... Washington Post column by Margaret Sullivan that we talked about two days ago, three days ago, was just so offensive. Her fat 47-year-old asthmatic friend died. She blamed Joe Rogan because the guy wasn't vaccinated. The guy didn't listen to Joe Rogan. Didn't matter. That guy had chances every day for last year to get vaccinated. He chose not to. He died. That's tragic, but it's not the fault of Joe Rogan or of, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr. or anybody else. It was that guy's choice. He was an adult. Hell, he was a writer, was a sports writer. You don't think he read up and knew the risk? He took the risk. He lost. He failed. He died. That's tragic. But you don't immediately say the, 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 guy, the, the fat asthmatic guy's dead. Let's, let's look around and find someone to blame. It's not how that works. He had his chance. He didn't take it. That's all you can do. That's all you can say. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right. So, what are we He's getting so tedious, so tiresome. Shut up, Howie. Not that I'm <laughs> listening, but shut up. If people want to be vaccinated, they've already taken the chance. They've done it. All right, they've gone. We're moving on. We're moving on. All right. I don't even want to get it. We won't even get into Roger Goodell, how embarrassing he is. Before he went before the media and talked about he wants to have more black coaches and more coaches of color and coaches of other genders, he said. Roger Goodell wants coaches of other genders. Does that mean not just male and female as he wants to go into the 57 genders? Because Goodell is, is such a, he's such a shameless uh, shill, such a pandering puke. I can't stand him. But um, it, it's, uh, it's not going to matter. 110 people are going to watch Sunday. It'll probably be a great game. 110 hey. million? You think that's how big it, that's, that's what it'll be? Yeah, 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 that's my over over under. Um, I'm just uh, not even interested get, in this game. Are you really? I'm sorry to interrupt. Are you interested? I'm just like I don't even care. I guess I guess I'll it watch, always but. it often feels that way until game time. Yeah, that's the way I feel. I'm like I don't really care, but come Sunday, I I I don't really get into the hype. I don't really get into the two weeks. In fact, I look at these videos from on Twitter of of Radio Row where all the radio stations are lined up and yeah. they're interviewing you know Joe Theismann over here and. And you're saying, and, and Minahan and I talk about this all the time, is we used to sit there and do that. And we would do our best to do something different, something interesting. And we'd look around, and it would just be a 100 radio stations interviewing the same guys about the same things. 
and it would look sound awful. I don't listen now. I would never think to put on a radio station today, sports radio, and listen to their interviews from uh, from Radio Row of uh, you know Art Monk or some guy uh, sitting down and selling uh, uh, you know Mark Malone selling prostate something. And I'd go, who's listening to that? I, I don't get it unless you just leave it on there and you enjoy Super Bowl hype. It's not good radio. One time, I believe in Houston, uh, we were talking about this, and Minahan, it was one of the funniest moments we've ever had. He stands up and he says, the fact is, that show sucks, and he points at all it, and he just goes through every show that's on the air while we're on the air. He says, that show sucks, <laughs> that show sucks, that show sucks. And they're all looking at him, they're going, is he talking about me? And I just fell out of my chair laughing, and they, he, he looked right at him and said, and he was right. They all sucked. They were all doing the same thing. They were all just so tedious. It's a phenomenon, this radio road thing, and it's become a, a, you know, a monster. I, I agree. But rarely do you hear any good radio no. you know, out of it. It's, and I'm not listening, and I'm not watching you know, a week of hype on ESPN. But 6.30 Sunday, I'm not sure where I'll be, but I will be sitting somewhere in front of a TV and uh, enjoying it and i hope it's close because there's nothing better than a close super bowl an intense super bowl the super bowl goes out of the wire the pressure's immense careers are made legends are made i love it i love it and uh like i said i'll say it again football is so great it actually overcomes the morons who run it including roger goodell he can't ruin football but he tries he tries all right let me do uh (laughs) excuse me i'll do shay and then we'll get, I want to get to the uh, smoking kits because I haven't gotten mine yet. I'm looking forward to getting my smoking kit. And I got to, I got to address this stuff with our mayor in Boston. It's just, it, it's just infuriating. But first, let's do Shea. I would have been telling you about Shea Concrete for a long, long time. Today, we're sitting with the man who makes it all work, the man in charge of the whole place, my brother-in-law, Greg. Hey, Greg, seems like business is booming at Shea Concrete. We're cranking that out, Jerry. Well, uh, I'm I'm just wondering, what's holding you back these days? We could use some good help. You need people? We need people. How many people do you need? At least 20 people. 20? Well, what kind of people? We have positions driving trucks, working in the production plants, estimating engineers, all kinds. You need any podcasters? You <laughs> know, we do have the precast podcast. Well, I, I think it seems like a great place to work, as I tell people. It's a family atmosphere. You guys are good to your people. There's a great gym here at the headquarters. Uh, what's holding you back? Why can't you find people? Besides being to work on time, you have to pass the drug test. Ooh, <laughs> you have to pass a drug test. That's all it takes. All right, if people want to uh, come see you, they want to talk, what do they have to do? Bunch of ways. They can, if they want to be a team member, they can go to shakeconcrete.com, fill out an application. They can come to our, any of our offices. We got four locations. They can call me up directly. They can email jobs at shakeconcrete.com. And you'll give them a hat? And You're we'll give them a hat. Hats. Yep. All right, sounds good. Shakeconcrete.com. I saw a really cool, uh, nice cafeteria here. Can we go have lunch? Oh, absolutely. We got empanadas and chicken. <laughs> Excellent. I don't know what they are, but I'm going to go have an empanada. All right. Uh, it's not surprising. The Biden regime, Carano said, they're not including crack pipes in the smoking kits. And this is just amazing. That, that This is their defense, that they're not actually including pipes. The smoking kits include things like alcohol wipes and lip balm. So they are giving out lip balm to crackheads, but not crack pipes, which I don't believe. In fact, I know that's a lie. Everything they say is a lie. They were giving crack pipes you know, for equity, $30 million of taxpayer money to drug addicts to help them do drugs. It's, it's to me, the best example of a lawless administration because they open the southern border, fentanyl comes over the border, drugs come over the border, and then they help drug addicts do those drugs. What My question is, what, <laughs> what manufacturer does the White House go to to no, get I'm a bunch kidding. of crack pipes? Like, can you imagine that phone call? Hey, this is uh, Phil from the White House. Um, I understand you, uh, you, you make uh, crack pipes. Uh, we'd like to order uh, 300,000, please. Like, oh, where? I know. I guess China, right? China. I guess. That's where they make the drugs. That's where they make the pipes. That's probably where he buys his crack pipes. But 
I think of the meeting and I realize again, Biden's sitting there. He's, you know, watching wheel of fortune, having his tapioca. He's not paying attention, but the people in his inner circle, they're going, we need to do more to help marginalized crackheads get crack pipes. Good idea. How much should we spend? 30 million COVID money. By the way, it's COVID money, COVID oh, money to help crackheads do crack. Yeah. It's just such an insane idea that, I can't imagine anyone being in favor of it, but apparently there are some radicals in the administration that they're all in. So she, Saki, the ginger gerbils made it sound like they're still going to give the, still going to spend the money, still going to give the kits and the lip balm to crackheads. Just they're going to have to continue to make their own pipes out of tin foil or buy pipes wherever you buy, wherever you buy your crack pipes. Uh, but, God, these these people are just so. So they're, so, they're, so now what they're pulling all these crack pipes from these kits, and where now where does the White House put all these crack pipes? They got some sort of storeroom for crack pipes <laughs> for for later on. Like, do I, they give them to their friends? I, I got I got someone I got someone. Uh, I think Hunter Biden could find some a uh, use for them. I Probably. really do. Hunter Hunter Biden, he should be the uh, czar of crack pipes or the uh, you know minister of crack pipes. Um. I thought 30 million for crack pipes was about as uh, bad a, you know, a, a squandering of taxpayer money as you could ever have. It would seem like, how else, how could you piss away millions of taxpayer money more just shamelessly than, than that? And it's, it's a good question, but I got an answer. I got an answer. NPR, National Panhandler Radio. Since I was a kid, I don't, I've never understood why taxpayer money goes to PBS or NPR. Originally, it was because there was not enough choice on TV and they wanted kids shows or educational shows. So mm-hmm. they took tax money. That's when there was like free channels on TV. Yeah, so I watched added a Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood when I was a right. kid. Right. So now you have 5,000 channels yeah. on TV and you don't need it. There are plenty of kids shows, educational shows, and every other kind of show. The marketplace took care of that. And somehow... These leeches, these parasites continue to suck away taxpayer money for their little, you know, left wing radical uh, media outlets to NPR and PBS. I never I've never understood why uh, Republican Congresses, Senate, House, President, why they didn't end funding for this racket years ago. It never made any sense to me. And it still doesn't. But anyway, they're uh, they're going to continue to feed off the public mammary and do just stuff that is just so crazy. And this would qualify NPR had put out a story on their website. I'm looking at it right now. Yesterday, February 9th. Um, it has three people, one, two, three people on the byline, three people on the public dole, three welfare recipients working on this story, which is about the thumbs up emoji. Yes, you use you use that every day. Every time I send Usually you the point. response, oh well, I do that too in our private conversations. Yes, that's true. That's so true. the thumbs up emoji, I didn't even know this, comes in six colors. <laughs> Did you even know that? I, I'm like you said, you see one pop up, you just hit it. You know, you don't put a lot of thought into it. I didn't even realize the yellow was supposed to be neutral. You have white and black and brown, but yellow is when you don't really want to identify your race, according to the story. They interview people, experts. It's just mind-boggling. They take this seriously. Here's the lead. Heath Rosella identifies as three-quarters white and one-quarter Filipino. When texting, he chooses a yellow emoji instead of a skin tone option because he feels he doesn't represent any specific ethnicity or color. He doesn't want people to view his text in a particular way. He wants to go with what he sees as the neutral option and focus on the message. Quote, I present a very, I present as very pale, very light skinned. And if I use the white emoji, I feel like I'm being, I'm betraying the part of myself that's Filipino, said Rosella of Littleton, Mass., but if I use a darker color emoji, which maybe more closely matches what I see when I look at my whole family, it's not what the world sees, and people tend to judge that. So he doesn't, he's confused. Poor guy. They talk, they talk to this opera singer from Germany. She says, I use 
I use the brown one that matches me. I have some friends who use the brown ones too, but they're not brown. This confuses me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, emojis. This, I'm telling you, the Babylon Bee is going to come do a thing on this because this is, they'll have trouble competing with it. NPR is such a friggin' joke. It is such a bunch of radical nut jobs. So off, so outside the mainstream, so beyond fringe. They go in there. Here's the next guy they talk about, Cole. He's originally from California, and he identifies as black and an American descent of slavery. All capitalized. I didn't even know that was a thing you identified as. I thought African-American generally covered that. But anyway, it's a woman. She said that while she was not offended when a non-brown friend uses a dark emoji she would like to understand why. I think it would be nice if it is their default, but if they're just using it with me or other brown people, I want to look into that deeper and know why they're doing it. Spend the your time thing, doing that. Just, just, just spend all your time doing that then. As we talked about earlier, my question with uh, you know, making stigma, you know, making the word, the N-word, so powerful. And by the way, Quick question on that. If you say the N-word and the person you're talking to thinks in their brain the actual N-word, then why do we say N-word? We all know what it means. So why don't we just use the word? These are the tough questions. Anyway, what good does something like this do? What good, I mean, honestly, you and I both agreed that, that we hadn't given any thought to colored emojis and thumbs up, yellow, brown, black, whatever. They want you to start thinking about it and the meaning of it, and more importantly, to start taking offense when someone uses the wrong color well, thumbs and, up. And now if you're using the yellow, uh, NPR is asking the, uh, the, the tough questions too, is the yellow emoji really neutral? So now if you use the yellow emoji, <laughs> what is that? What are you saying with that? What should people and, interpret with that? It's amazing. I don't think I ever thought about it. I, I haven't done a lot of emojis. I'm kind of new to the emoji game. I use the clown one sometimes. Yeah, and, clowns are good. And the thumbs up or the pointing thing. The pointing thing's the same thing, right? It's yellow, yeah. white, or brown. And I just go with the yellow because it pops up. It's just, why why do this? What does it help? All right, I'm going to get to this story because it's important to me before we wrap this up yep. and uh, and uh, Carano leaves us forever. <clears throat> I, I just was you know getting ready for the show this morning and i see these tweets from my mayor michelle Wu, this menace this little tyrant and uh she's a she's a mass fanatic and a mandate fanatic she's trying to put you know cops and firemen out of work they're they're protesting they're going to her house and uh you know obviously she's got all the academics behind her and the globe behind her because she is a radical america hating uh nut and she's tweet and we talked certainly a lot about mask mandates and they're repealing them everywhere. And by the way, is there a bigger coward in, in the political world than Charlie Baker, an alleged Republican who waited until what, eight or 10 Democrat governors repealed the mask, Yep. waited for them to do it. And then said, you know, I think it's time to repeal our mask mandates. I mean, what, a, that is such political cowardice. I mean, you want to see a, a guy with courage, look at Ron DeSantis who never mandated anything and took the spears and took the heat. Charlie Baker is such a gutless, he, he, he is so afraid the globe won't love him. He's so afraid that he'll get bad publicity, that he just sticks his finger to the wind and does whatever is political expedient. He's an embarrassment. I'm glad he's, he's going to be done soon. But back to Michelle Wu. So there's a lot of people begging, begging for her to drop the mask mandate. Their kids are suffering. They're not learning. They're not... Their speech patterns are delayed. There is major, major ramifications to these crazy, stupid, pointless mandates. Plus, they don't serve any purpose. Masks don't do anything. Children aren't vulnerable. We have gone over that a thousand times. She's hanging on. I told you this should be the last one in America. She tweets out this morning uh, a picture of an auditorium, and it's a bunch of high school kids. And she says, I put the question, I'll I'll read the exact uh, thing. She says, uh, this is 11 hours ago. She says, tonight I met with 70 of our most engaged high schoolers. When asked how many believe we should keep masks beyond February 28th, here's what happened. And there's 70 kids in an uh, uh, auditorium, a a lecture hall, 
and almost all of them. In fact, I think all it looks of to me, it looks to me like all of them raise their hands. Raise I see their one, hands. I see one brave. Nope, nope, nope. She <laughs> yeah. was hidden behind someone else. So no, it's I like think that everybody. Picture, ever see the picture when everyone's going to Heil Hitler and there's one guy who doesn't <laughs> do it and they circle him and said, be that guy. Well, these kids. There is one person obvious. in the in the back right hand side who is not raising their yes. hand. Yes, he's yeah. just been suspended. He's been uh, he's just got an F. Um, but so she gets a bunch of kids who are you know, obviously easily gullible. They scare them into thinking that they're vulnerable of this virus, which they're not. They tell them they lie to them, tell them they could die, which they won't. They tell them masks work, which they don't. And these dummies, I mean, again, they're kids. They're it's not their fault. They fall in line because of this mayor bullies them. And then she brags about it and says, you know, look at this. We should keep masks on. Now tell me, Karana, what's the science behind this? What's the public health reason for this? It is just a bunch of kids being bullied by a mayor into playing along. They know, well, maybe they don't know because they've been lied to for so long. They know they're not vulnerable to this virus. They should know. They know masks don't work. I thought this was bad, right? Yeah. This is much worse. This is her follow-up to that. And I, this morning, this was last night, the picture, and I respond to it. But anyway, here's her follow-up. She says, uh, our young people don't have the luxury of being irresponsible or even carefree. They're eager learners and experienced organizers. They see no other choice but to clean up after generations of adults before them for climate, equity, and yes, public health. They're ready. <coughs> I wish I had, I should have done this earlier. I wish I had more time to point out how insane and idiotic this is. This woman went to Harvard. Just the first sentence alone, maybe it's just me. Our young people don't have the luxury of being carefree. You're talking about 16 year old kids, you idiot. That's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be carefree. You're the one putting this burden on them. You're the one telling them that they could die because that invisible, scary virus is waiting outside. And if they don't wrap their face in cloth, that's going to sneak into their lungs and kill them. You're the one telling them the world's going to end in eight years if they continue to use plastic straws. You are the monster here. You are the bad guy. Get that straight. And how You're many, supposed and to help them remain carefree and you're not supposed to put this burden on them and how many kids would have raised their hands if she would have said the truth which is hey masks don't work but how many people want to wear them for symbolic reasons <laughs> you know yeah. i mean how many people want to continue virtue signaling <laughs> like me i mean and by the way these are 70 kids who show up for this so obviously they're activists and this is really a cause it's not for public health it's for uh again virtue signaling it's for look at me i care i remain masked up but we already went over this yesterday yesterday leanna Wynn from cnn said mask one way masking works so kids you 70 kids if you want to remain masked up forever go for it you can do it you want to protect yourself wear two three four masks wear a hazmat suit put a mask you on your dog do put a mask <laughs> on your dog you can do it feel free Forcing everybody to wear masks to make adults like Michelle Wu feel good is insane. And this, this monster, Michelle Wu, someone has to explain to her that these are 16, 17-year-old children. They're supposed to be carefree, Mayor. They're supposed to enjoy their life. They're not supposed to worry about equity and environment and climate and, oh, is the virus going to kill me today? Leave them alone. Damn it. Leave them alone. They're kids. Let them be kids. God, she is the worst. But anyway, we got to leave it there, Carano. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow on Local yep. so we could say goodbye or I could say goodbye. Sure. Do you want to say goodbye to anybody here? Well, uh... Not anybody in particular besides, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, goodbye to you, of course. But we'll talk again tomorrow. And uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Callahan Show and for supporting the show during my tenure. I appreciate it very much. Do you think you'll ever come back? Maybe we're talking Bitcoin. I need a guest. I need yeah, an sure. expert. Yeah, yeah. Bring me on. I'll... Uh... Uh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that'd, that'd be that'd be good. That'd be great. We'd do a whole segment on Bitcoin and blockchain. I know you love it. NFTs. Ooh, I'm, uh, I need it. I don't want it, but I need it. I need to learn. I need to understand, which I, I 
I struggle with. I've read a few articles. I struggle. I'll need you to make it, uh, put it in plain terms for sure. me. But we'll do we'll do that another day, and we'll do uh, we'll we'll do we'll talk more about Carano and his future tomorrow with our locals family. If you want to join us, go to Callahan.locals.com. That's the one. We're not free, but we are cheap, and we're on there. We're on. We will join you every Friday with an extra show. But for today. We will leave it there. Thanks to everybody for watching and listening and commenting. Thanks to you, Matt Carano. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show. And we will talk to you again tomorrow morning on Locals. Finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information.